The Productive Woman, Episode 29. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, I will share with you my conversation with tech podcaster Allison Sheridan, who shared some really helpful insights on making conscious choices about our lives. You'll find links for Allison's bio and the various ways you can find her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 29. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com. You can get a free 10-day trial of lynda.com's outstanding video courses by going to lynda.com slash tpw. And now let's get right into my conversation with Allison. I am so pleased to introduce Allison Sheridan. I've been a fan of Allison's podcast for a while, and after we sort of met online via comments on each other's blogs, Allison contributed a wonderful tip for the 25th episode celebration of The Productive Woman. The more I learned of her background, the more I thought you would enjoy meeting her. Allison is the host of the long-running NoSillaCast Mac podcast, and we'll see if I can get this right, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Macintosh bias. You nailed it. (laughs) Good for me. So as a tech geek and an Apple fangirl, I've enjoyed the podcast, but Allison also has a master's in mechanical engineering and retired not long ago after 35 years of working for a large aerospace company. She's married with two children. They have a dog and a cat, and she's an (laughs) exercise advocate with a habit of working out seven days a week that started before she retired, and I'm definitely going to want to hear about how you manage that. I am so looking forward to learning from her journey about making a life that matters. So welcome, Allison. Well, thanks for having me on. I believe I technically horned my way into the show, right? Please, please have me on. No, I was, you, you offered when I was trying to work up the courage to ask you. So that was a pretty (laughs) big meant to be. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. So your life is a little different than mine. As the folks who've listened for a while know, I have a day job as a lawyer. You have retired recently after a long career. For those of us who maybe want to live vicariously, what is a typical day like for you? Well, I told Laura not to ask me this because I think it's just mean. But uh, first of all, let's start with eight hours of sleep. It is an unbelievable experience to sleep eight hours a night. It's amazing. Um, That's probably one of my favorite things. I get up around seven. My husband wakes me up, sends the dog in to lick my face to wake me up. He thinks it's hilarious for some reason. And then uh, we drink coffee from seven to eight together while we doodle around on Facebook and Twitter and Google+. Then we start getting ready to go either to the gym or down to the beach to go for a run. Uh, We work out every day, like we said. And uh, so we get back. It's about 1030 you know, it's really time for a cup of coffee, right? So we have a (laughs) cup of coffee and we doodle around on the internet. I might start being a little bit productive towards getting the podcast ready, but maybe not. I might just be out on Google Plus playing around in communities and that sort of thing. By that time, you know, by the time we're done with the second coffee, uh, it's pretty much lunchtime. 
<laughs> so uh, <laughs> we might have breakfast or lunch. It depends because we don't eat until uh, 1130 in the morning. Uh, and then maybe around one, I'll start doing something productive. But in the wintertime, by four, I need to go on my long walk in the afternoon because I work out twice a day. Uh, I walk my dog an additional three miles in the afternoon. So if the sun sets at five, I got to get out by four. So uh, and then we doodle around on the couch and play on the Internet while we watch TV. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty, pretty great life. And it's, it is uh, very different from mine, that's for sure. Yeah, it's very different from my previous life, that's for sure. And so when we talk about one of the questions that I've asked guests in the past, which I think is kind of entertaining to ask somebody like you about whether you have a routine or a system in place to manage all these demands on your time, <laughs> you don't have quite so many demands uh, as you did once. No. One of the things I looked forward to the most in retirement was not having to be as efficient. And, and as you can tell from my previous story, I've excelled at this task. Uh, but I remember, you know, on the way home thinking, okay, I got to go buy the dry cleaner and then I go to, got to go to the drugstore and then I got to go pick up my shoes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, if I did the shoes first, then the drugstore, then the grocery. Wait, wait, if I did this one, you know, I'm always trying to pack and repack like you're playing this incredible Tetris game, trying to get all these things that are falling into place to fall into place in the right order to pack it all in. And um, it's the weirdest feeling to know that you could go to the drugstore today or maybe you go tomorrow. You know, I, I wash my car constantly. I'm a crazy car fanatic uh, at taking care of my car. I wax other people's cars. Very strange habit. But now I don't even wash my car every week because I don't have to do it on Sunday, right? I could do it on Monday. Well, also on Monday, I might do it on Tuesday. Also, it's been a week and a half. Oh my gosh, how could I not do that? <laughs> but uh, the funniest thing about us and uh, you mentioned routines was um, my husband and I are both engineers. So this is what happens when engineers marry. We didn't even do it on purpose, but our kids pointed it out to us. They started noticing that we were eating the same meal every Monday. So every Monday we make burritos. Every Tuesday we make chicken, rice and broccoli. Every Wednesday we make hamburger helper with turkey. And uh, every Thursday we would have Taco Bell. And every Friday we have pizza. Saturday, wild card. I mean, you don't even know. It's a takeout <laughs> from one of two different places. And then Sunday night might actually be a crapshoot. It's something from the barbecue. And then Monday it's back to burrito night. And so people knew what I was eating by the day. But as crazy as that sounds, what it caused was this incredibly efficient thing, which is there's never a conversation about what do you want to eat tonight? Because the kids knew that on Tuesday they were getting broccoli with their chicken and rice, right? There was never a conversation with them about whether they would eat broccoli because they knew they were getting broccoli on Tuesday. Uh, go to the grocery store. What are you going to buy? You're going to buy exactly what you bought last week and the week before. I'm talking 15 years we did this. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because I think it was just last week's episode, maybe the week before, I guess where I was talking about routines and rituals and those sorts of things. And there is that benefit of not having to take the time to make decisions about those sorts yeah. of day-to-day -day things. You've already, the decision's been made once and you just follow through. I think I would have loved having to wear a uniform to work. I hated <laughs> deciding what to wear because that's just inefficiency. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. So I bought two pairs of black shoes and I wore them for, oh, like seven years. That's why the cobbler was in the plot back then is I would keep getting them resold so I could keep wearing those same shoes. I would wear the same shoes every single day because I don't care. It doesn't yes. matter to me. And maybe shoes matter a lot to you and maybe food matters a lot to you. So you wouldn't want to do what I did, but find something else you don't care about. Just make a routine so that it gets more efficient. Very good advice. And I've done the same on, on 
everybody has different things that they do care about. And if you save your energy, your brain energy or whatever else for those things that you care about, that's all part of being productive, I think. Right. At the same time, I will spend an hour and a half trying to research something for a complete stranger where they just sent me a dumb question on the uh, for the show. By the way, dumb question is not an insult. It's the segment is called Dumb Question Corner. And uh, I'll spend an hour and a half researching something for somebody I don't even know because that's really fun. But I don't want to spend the time thinking about shoes or food. And there you have it. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I really did want to talk, I mentioned earlier on in the introduction, you have mentioned to me more than once that you're a big advocate of exercise. And I'd like to hear from you what that means to you, why you think it's important for a woman who's already busy to make time for exercise. So I forget which I've told you about before. So I'll just give the story that I give to everyone else, which is Women do everything for everybody else, right? You've got your boss, your coworkers, your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, you know, your best friend. You're doing things for everybody else. We very rarely take time to do anything for ourselves. Now, every once in a while, I find a woman who says, oh, no, I do a lot of stuff for myself. Get my nails done. I sit and I read. Okay, you're an aberration. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you've got that going. I don't need to lecture to you. But I realized at one point that exercise was the single completely selfish thing I did. And when I realized that it was selfish, it was only for me because it made me feel good. It changed the way I looked at exercise. I stopped saying, oh, I should go to the gym or I've got to go to the gym. I started saying I get to go to the gym. And when I got that changed in my head, all of a sudden it was like, woohoo, go to the gym. And I'd get all excited about it. It's really tricky, though. I went to the gym at lunch every day while I was working every day. I would occasionally miss it. I'd have a meeting or something. And one of the things I figured out was every time I got a new boss, and it happened a lot, I, I ran through bosses like every two years for the last 10 or 15 years, started thinking it was me, not them. My first meeting with them, I would say, by the way, I work out at lunch. So I'd really appreciate it if I don't have to go to meetings during lunch. That's kind of a, a thing I expect. Just like you would tell a new boss, I have childcare. I have to pick up at five o'clock, right? If you have that as your uh, constraint, you need to let your boss know that right up front. I did that with exercise. And it turned out they would apologize to me if they made me sit through a meeting at lunch. And I liked being in that position. And it didn't fail with any boss. I had good bosses in those 15 years. I had really bad bosses in those 15 years, people I didn't like at all. And yet they always respected that time. I mean, they would understand that they were asking a favor of me, not an expectation to make me work through lunch. Now, I had risen fairly high in the company. I ended up with uh, I don't know, 170 people that worked for me and that kind of thing. So it was a fairly substantial job. But all of my coworkers were working through lunch and working late. And I was just, I mean, I worked 40 hours and I did really, really well at that. So for you then, exercise is a selfish thing. You see it as that. I mean, I think a lot of women don't think that they have a right to be that selfish. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to get yourself to do it. But I found it was also a valuable tool at work. So picture the typical lunch. Everybody either uh, works through lunch, so they're in lunchtime meetings. They bring it. They'd always go, oh, but we'll bring in food, Allison. I said, no, that's going the opposite direction. Uh, so they've eaten some nice, big, heavy lunch. There's chips. There's cookies. You know, they're all eaten and they're all fat and sloppy. And in the afternoons, I could eat everybody alive because I'd be dancing around. I'm all full of energy because I just ran four miles, whatever. I'm running around and they're all in this food coma, you know, meeting coma. 
And it was so much fun watching what I could do to people in the afternoon. I could take advantage of them. It was awesome. I'm sure. I, I have to confess that I'm one of those that often will work through lunch. And even though intellectually I know it's counterproductive, what's going on in my head is I see this long list of things I need to get done. Clients are waiting for documents or whatever. And I think if I just keep going, actually what I'm thinking is, if I just keep going through lunch, maybe I can leave at a reasonable time tonight. Has that ever worked for you? No, it has not. <laughs> and so, ever hopeful. Yeah, you know, hope springs eternal. So I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking, you know, that's such wise advice. And maybe for some women, lunchtime's not going to work for sure. whatever reason. It depends on what their job is and what their position is or what right. their other obligations are. But to find some time during the day that's precious to you. Yeah. Right. Here's another tip on that. I started having uh, walking meetings with people. Mm. So people would, how often does somebody walk into your office? If you work in an office, somebody walks in and they sit down to talk to you and 15 minutes have gone by, easily 15 minutes, right? Nobody stops in and talks for two. They say two and it's 15. In 15 minutes, you can easily at a casual pace, walk a mile. Well, maybe not casual pace, but you can walk a mile. So I have the luxury of, of living in California. So it turns out our building complex was a mile around. Hmm. So whenever people would come in to talk, I'd say, hey, let's go for a walk. And all of a sudden you're outside, you're in the sunshine, you go for a walk. The conversation was much more stimulating than sitting in the office. And then when you come back, you've both walked a mile. That's a tremendous use of your time because you still packed in everything you had to pack in, but you actually got a little bit of exercise. I think it's even more critical to figure out ways to do that if you work at home. Take telecons walking because you know, they're saying uh, sitting is the new smoking, right? Is yeah. that that's killing us. I wear a Fitbit pedometer and I started tracking my steps when I was working. And I found that I lost, I think it was like 6,000 steps a day when I worked at home. Hmm. Just from the little things you do, you, you got to walk farther to the bathroom. You got to walk to the cafeteria. You got to walk to the parking lot. When you work at home, you're killing yourself. So you've got to, and maybe this isn't even want to, you have to get up and walk around, you know, once an hour, go for a 10 minute walk. If you, you know, the littlest walk can make a big difference to you. And I think it's important part of the perspective of why this is so important. If you put it in the terms that most of us as women can understand, there are a lot of people counting on us and yeah. if we don't take care of our health. Yeah, there's a way to make this even this be unselfish, as you say. <laughs> you know, and that's we'll find a way. Well, if that's what it takes to get yeah. the message through, and for Relief a lot of guilt. us, we just can't get past that guilty feeling of doing something that's just for us when there are all these other people out there that we think we should be doing for. And for me, that's part of the. I keep telling my husband, we're both in our, we're approaching, getting right to our mid fifties, and. I tell him, I don't want you to die. That's why I want you to work out. Yep, I, yep, don't yep. Wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to continue on after you. So stay healthy for that reason. My dad had his first heart attack at 43. Wow. That's the reason I walk. Yeah. Well, I, I have another, uh, just anecdote to tell uh, thinking about you sitting there working through lunch. I went into uh, the office of a young friend of mine. Uh, her name is Jean. And she was uh, on this horrible project with horrible, horrible demand. She was traveling and everything. And I walked in and she just looked like death. You know, her skin was pale and she was dark circles under her eyes and she was drooping shoulders. And she's one of these people who brings energy to everything. You know, I've never seen her like that. And I said, uh, Jean, let's go for a walk. And she goes, oh, no, I can't. I got this design review and I got to do these charts and I got to do. This. I said, Jean, let's go for a walk. She said, no, I can't do it. I got to. I, I can't. I said, Jean, 
we're going for a walk now. And I took her by the hand and I took her outside and we walked that one mile in 15 minutes and I brought her back. She had rosy cheeks, her energy was up and she was pumped and could get her job done. She wasn't going to get anything done the rest of the day. She wasn't going to be able to perform because she just, she'd lost it. Yeah. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's probably the best time to go take a walk. And it doesn't have to be a run. It doesn't have to be a triathlon or anything like that. Just go for a walk. I agree. Now, if you live in in Chicago or or Boston, I don't know how you do it. I'd like to hear somebody call in about how they get exercise. Maybe a standing walking desk. I don't know. Honestly, that's a challenge here because I'm in Dallas, which this time of year, it's great. But the summertime, we have the opposite problem. 170 degrees there. It's Yeah. And, you know, 89% humidity. And so I could go out. But you have giant buildings, right? You guys have those 12 mile across buildings in Dallas. So I know you can walk. Maybe you won't get any sunshine. But Our previous building or the building that my firm was in before was in downtown Dallas. And all the downtown Dallas buildings are connected by underground tunnels. And you could probably walk for miles there. I was always afraid I'd get lost though. (laughs) Now you got a GPS on your phone. Maybe (laughs) you'd find your way out. But I I do remember uh, going for a walk in Dallas once uh, on a business trip and my shoes melted. Yeah. It's a sad (laughs) thing, but it's true. All right. Well, you've offered some really good thoughts that I hope folks will take to heart because it's in the news these days, how unhealthy we've all gotten and how overweight and all the things that it's doing to us. And as women, Again, whether it's for the selfish reasons of just feeling better or for if you want to make it a selfless thing of the people that count on you need you to be healthy and to be around for a while. There are really good reasons to make the time to do these. And as you pointed out, getting healthier, the energy boost you get from it, all those things are going to help you be more productive during the rest of the day. Absolutely. And by the way, breast cancer is not the leading cause of death in women. Heart disease is. Really? Leading cause of death in women. Okay. So get up and walk. There you go. (laughs) And you know what? Tell your boss, Allison said you had to. (laughs) Well, and and you can't refuse that. So if it worked with your boss, it should work with our bosses, right? Well, as I've said before, one of the things that, that you and I talked before that I really wanted to focus on, a lot of the women who listen to The Productive Woman are still in the midst of raising their families, building careers or ministries of different kinds and trying to pursue interests of their own and not lose their mind. And so I'm really interested in, from the perspective now of a woman who's now retired after a long career, what advice or encouragement can you offer to women who are still trying to juggle career, family, personal interests, all these other things, how they can juggle these things, accomplish the things they want to do without losing their minds? I actually have a pretty good answer to that. I taught a class at my company a couple of times that I called Choices. And uh, part of it stemmed from a specific incident. The CIO position in my part of the company was opening up and I thought I had a shot at getting this job. And so I called the woman who had been in the job before and I knew she had a couple of kids and was married and this sort of thing. And I asked her how much travel was involved in this job. And she said, oh, Allison, it's not bad at all. It's only like a week out of every month. Now, I had two little kids. And a husband that I actually am still in love with, you know, and I'm going to lose 25% of their life if I take this job. And I was devastated because I really wanted to take this job. And I called the HR woman and was talking to her about it. And she said, Allison, you're acting like this is the last choice you're ever going to make. Like it's the last offer that's ever going to come up. And I just sat back and said, oh my gosh, this isn't the last one. This is a really good one. 
but it isn't the last one. So I made an active choice. And I remember going home and talking to my kids and especially my son. I said, uh, and my son and daughter, I said, you know, I got an option on this job and it looks really cool. And I'm just going to make a trunk load of money. I mean, we're going to be rolling in it. I'm going to be able to buy you everything you want. You know, that game system you want to buy it in a heartbeat. I can do buy you anything you want. And I'm not going to be here 25% of the time or a week out of every month. And I looked at the, I'd already made my decision, right? And I looked at their little faces falling. It's like, mommy, you're going to leave us. I said, no, I'm not going to take that job. And they were all happy. But I wanted to make that point to them that I made that choice, that I actively made the choice to be home every night to be able to see them. Uh, as it turned out, I had a lot of other options come up and I did really well in my career. I never raised, went as high as that level, but I have absolutely no regrets about that. So I took that lesson and I thought about the two kinds of people I used to meet at work that drove me nuts. A lot of people didn't drive me nuts, but the one there's two groups that drove me nuts. I knew a guy who made it really, really high in the company. He became a vice president and he spent every waking moment complaining about the fact that he missed his daughter's recital. He missed his son's soccer game. He went skiing with his family and he spent the whole time working on his laptop up in the condo. The same guy would refer to the Mercedes, you know, he was really all about his stuff and his position and his authority and yet complained about what he gave up. The other group of people who make me crazy are the opposite person. The person who works 40 hours a week, goes home, goes to the recital, goes to the soccer game and gets to go skiing with their family and complains about not being a vice president. Well, guess what? If you want to be a vice president, the company I came from, you are not working 40 hours a week. You're going to have to work a lot more than that. And you're going to miss those things. So the reason I call the, the session choices is look at what you want and make the choice to do it. If you make the choice that you want to be a vice president, realize that these are the things you're going to have to give up. This is what you're going to have to do and embrace it and shut up about everything you missed. On the flip side, if you decide to be able to spend more time with your family, then shut up about the fact that you're not a vice president or you don't make more money than everybody else. Pick those things for yourself. We want people to be vice presidents, right? We want people who are going to pour in all that extra time and energy. But if that's not what you want, then don't go down that path. So each choice that comes up, each promotion opportunity, uh, each job offer, even assignments within, uh, within something you're working on, look at it and make an active choice. Don't feel like you fell into these things. And I've just met so many people who would say things like, I had to work this weekend. Mm -hmm. No, you didn't. You chose to. No, no, I had to work because I would have gotten in trouble. I said, oh, I didn't say there weren't consequences to not working the weekend. There might be, but you didn't have to because slavery is actually illegal. You did not have to work this weekend. You chose to. If you choose to work this weekend, choose it. And Realize it, you're choosing it for a reason. Don't fall into it. Yeah, embrace the choice you made, both the good and bad of it. I mean, I'm in a profession that is notorious for taking your whole life you know, uh -huh. lawyers, in particular, lawyers at large firms, which is where I'm a partner at a large firm here in Dallas. And I've been given opportunities that I could not have imagined growing up, but those come with a price. And I hear the same kinds of conversations that you were just talking about from people who say, well, if I'm going to succeed, I have to do this. Okay, well, is that the choice you're going to make? Is that Nobody held a gun to my head in my mid-30s and said, mm -hmm. go to Cornell Law School and then accept an offer from this large firm. Nobody forced me to do that. 
And I think it's really... It's obvious, but not obvious for some reason. It, it really isn't. Right? People get, you know, and they, I guess people talk about the golden handcuffs and, and all the things that come with certain... But you clipped them on. Yeah, exa- <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think it's such an important thing to remember because it, it's too easy to forget. We made the choice that got us where we are. And the good thing about that is we can make a different choice. What's the thing I see on Facebook all the time? If you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree, you know? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from being a partner in a law firm or a vice president in a giant aerospace company. I'm not trying to do that. But if you choose that, choose it, actively choose it. And part of that is asking the right questions. Like it sounds like you have, when you get offered an opportunity, ask, you know, how much time is expected of this? What do you picture my travel requirements being? And if it's a week out of uh, every month, but that's something you're willing to do because you're going to lift your family up to a different place, or maybe you can move them, whatever you're going to have to do to make that work, make those active choices, but be active about it. Don't fall into it and think that it happened to you. Well, it didn't. You picked it. And it's not even, I I don't think I hear you saying that any one choice or the other is intrinsically better or right or wrong. It's about being conscious about the choices you're making. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And about the fact that you are actually making the choices. (laughs) Right. Because so many people don't notice it. Another way you can make choices like this is thinking about where you're going to live versus work. I could have had a much bigger house in a much nicer neighborhood and had a 45 minute commute. I chose a 15 minute commute in a smaller house in a smaller neighborhood and not as good of a neighborhood. Uh, and what that allowed me to do was work longer hours, spend less time on the road or spend more time at home. I was able to make that choice. If you choose a long commute, you just gave up two hours of your day to something that isn't enjoyable, right? You didn't give it to your family and you didn't give it to your job. So think about that when you do it, make that choice, but make that choice actively, right? Make mm-hmm. the choice of where to live and where to work. Sometimes you can't, but again, do you pick that job or not? Um, and here's an easy tip to do. Pick your dentist, hairdresser, doctor in between work and home. A lot of people pick it right next to home, but guess where you are all day? You're at work. Well, if you have a 45-minute commute, now you have to take a day off to get your hair cut or go to the dentist or go to the doctor. I always picked one either close to work or in between the two, and that gave me the, the ability to get to it on the weekend or the weekday, either one very, very quickly and easily. And I've met all these people. Oh, and your gym. Don't pick a gym. That's on the other side of your house from your commute home, because guess what? Your car's going to pull in that parking lot and never go to the rest of the way to the gym. But I, I had a friend who would drive past the gym and go, oh, I got to stop in now, you know, because you're right there. Yeah, Great suggestions. Well, there's probably a lot more we could talk about on this, but I, I guess I don't want to necessarily beat women over the head with it. I think you've made such great points in a very concise way. I may want to ask you to come back and talk about it some more another time. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. I might repeat myself, though. I tell the same stories over and well, over but again. Well, the, the fact is there are a lot of us that aren't getting those messages. And that's why I think it's so valuable to have someone who's at your stage of life, who's been through the the drill that I'm, I'm sort of coming to the end of the that my kids are grown and and gone but i'm still in the middle of the career thing you have had some time and perspective since you've retired in the last year or so to look back and think about all right what worked for me and what didn't work and i think that's the sort of thing that the women who are still in the middle of it need to hear because when you're in the middle of all that it's hard to take the time to look around and think you're just sort of dealing with what's in front of you on a day-to-day basis yeah i can tell you what's not working for women 
traditionally it's been declared, and I happen to be a believer that we're better at multitasking than men. I don't think it's true because we start juggling and we go, oh, okay, I can do this and this at the same time. Hey, maybe I can add another ball. Maybe I can spin this plate at the same time. I saw four women inside of a three-week period try to leave the gym with their clothes on inside out. Do you think we might be doing a little too much? I'm just saying. It's just a possible indicator. <laughs> Something to consider. I And I will say that I'm I'm one who's guilty of getting all the way to the office and discovering I had non-matching shoes on. There so, you go. You know. Been there, done that. Uh, don't recommend it. I had this one woman ask me to help her zip her skirt up. She was having trouble with the zipper. And I looked at it and I said, so is the thin flouncy part supposed to be on the outside and the thick part supposed to be on the inside? Or maybe that's not right. Might be easier to zip up if. <laughs> well, Allison, I, I am so grateful that you took the time to talk about these things because I think it's a conversation that women need to be having with each other to help each other kind of figure these things out. And, and again, I don't think there is a right answer, although that's a hard thing for me to say. My husband and I joke often that we both are of the personality that somewhere deep in our soul, we believe there is a right answer to every question. <laughs> and if we don't find that right answer, we're wrong. But the truth is, that's not correct. And every human being has to figure out the, the answer that works for her, him, whoever. I think we can say a completely right answer is that you deserve to be able to do some things for yourself. That is a truth. And and, well, and none of us believe it. <laughs> no, no. Sadly, that's right. We don't. And so we, I guess we just need to keep saying it. What a great conversation. Tell me a little bit, what's on the horizon for you besides you've got, I know you're you're doing another episode of the NoSilicast podcast this evening. Um, <laughs> what, what else do you have coming up? Well, what I've been doing more of now, it's been a lot of fun uh, with the podcast is being on other people's shows, like being on the Productive Woman podcast. I'll add this to my resume, right? <laughs> I've been on uh, MacBreak Weekly recently on the Twit Network. I'm on the Daily Tech News Show with Tom Merritt uh, pretty often, uh, around once a month doing that. Uh, the SMR podcast. I, I, I just really enjoy being on other people's shows, mostly talking tech. Everybody asked me whether we were going to travel when we retired. And I was like, nah, we really don't have any interest in that. So we went to New Zealand this uh, last year and we're going to India this year. Wow. So <laughs> a little bit of travel, that kind of thing. But uh, mostly I look forward to being inefficient, uh, having my clothes on right side out and uh, working out a couple of times a day. <laughs> Sounds like a great life. And eight hours of sleep. A eight hours of sleep sounds like almost unattainable, fabulous life. <laughs> something I'm, something to look forward to. Where, where can people connect with you online? So the best way is probably Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is podfeet, P-O-D-F-E-E-T. And uh, like Laura said, my podcast is the NoSilicast podcast hosted at podfeet.com. Uh, I actually answer every email that comes into me, allison at podfeet.com. And, uh, oh, we've got a Google Plus community. You can find all that stuff on the website. Great. And I'll put links in the show notes. So if anybody wants to track you down and get your insight, or I highly recommend your show for the other listeners who are as tech geeky as I am, because I learn something new every time. So yay! thank you so much, Allison. I appreciate it more than I can say. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Laura. I am so thankful to Allison for taking the time to share her perspectives on productivity. I know she gave me a lot of food for thought, but what do you think? Do you have any questions for Allison? Did anything she say particularly resonate with you? Please feel free to ask your questions or share your thoughts by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 29 
and scroll down to the comments section. I am always happy to hear from you. Your suggestions and ideas are very welcome. There are a number of ways you can reach me. If you want to start or participate in a public conversation, you can share your questions or thoughts in the comments section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 29, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. I monitor and respond to both. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, or you can leave a voice message by going to theproductivewoman.com and click on the voice message button that's right there in the upper right corner, and you can record a message to me using your computer microphone. If you enjoy the podcast, I would very much appreciate it if you'd consider rating and reviewing The Productive Woman in iTunes or Stitcher. Links to subscribe or rate and review are available in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 29. Before we wrap up, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, which is lynda.com, and that's spelled L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. lynda.com is the place to go for high-quality video tutorials. They have over 3,000 courses taught by industry experts, with more being added weekly. The courses cover all skill levels from beginner to advanced. And, you know, as 2015 is just beginning, it's a great time to perhaps learn a new skill or expand your knowledge in an area you already know a little bit about. They have courses on just about any topic you can think of. Certainly tons of courses on productivity skills, everything from photography to graphic design, marketing. They have a course on overcoming the fear of public speaking. So if that's something that's of interest to you, you might want to check that out. You get uh, access to their entire library of video courses for one low monthly price. And the Productive Woman listeners can get a free 10-day trial by going to lynda.com slash tpw. And remember, that's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash tpw for the Productive Woman. And during that 10-day trial, you get unlimited access to their entire library. So you can check it out and watch as many of these great video tutorials as you want to. So give it a try by going to lynda.com tpw. And do let me know what you think after you check them out. And thank you to lynda.com for supporting The Productive Woman and the Noodle Mix Network. And that, I think, is about it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you for spending this time with me and with Allison Sheridan. I hope you found something in this episode that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again soon. And until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.